My name is Melissa Geary and I am the Naked Naturopath. Thanks for listening in. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, firstly, I need to apologize for the poor quality of my soy talk. <laughs> I now have a podcaster thanks to some beautiful friends. I'm giving it a go and you guys can let me know if it is a better quality sound. I also really wanted to say thank you to all the people who have given me feedback on the podcast by sending me an email. My email is info at mgherbs.com.au if you would like to ask me a question or let me know your thoughts on the podcast. I would really appreciate it. I love to hear from you guys because you kind of um, feel like a bit of a loner with podcasting because you don't really know if anyone is listening or not. <laughs> so um, let's uh, start this podcast. Thanks again for joining me. I thought I would just do a podcast before Christmas on some of the stuff in the home. Um, that might sound quite simplistic, but there's so much stuff that we we have surrounding us that is toxic and poisonous and bad for our health and while we're eating all the right foods and doing all the right things and you know doing all the movement that we can that's possible it's so much more than that and I think that my theory is that if we can remove as much as possible from our surroundings um, you know control as much as possible is controllable then all of the stuff that we come into contact with that we can't control will have less impact. So what do I mean by that? The air we breathe kills some of our gut bacteria. <laughs> and there's not a whole lot we can do about that. Especially living in Newcastle, we know that our toxins are quite high in the air and in the soil and, you know, in, in the, like, for example, my, I live in Newcastle and my balcony is covered in coal dust. So if we leave our clothes out for too long, they get coal dust all over them. And then even in my kitchen, you can run your hand along the, uh, you know the cupboard bench and it's it comes off black unless you wipe it every two days so we have a toxic load um, there the other thing that we can't change is our genetics to some degree I know that we can eat lots of different foods to um, encourage our genes to work a certain way but if you have autoimmune disease in your family or you have a family history of cancer you will by default have a higher um, toxic load as well so I figure, why don't we control some of the stuff in our life that we can control or as much of that stuff as we, as we can control. And that, you know, uh, most of the time comes down to our home and our surroundings and what we live in. So I thought I would start with uh, carpet <laughs> and quite a, you know, I feel like I'm going a bit of a rabbit hole with this, but um, when we look at our carpet, you have to look at what comes in on the carpet. So that takes me back to what's on our shoes. That takes me back to what's outside and what do we walk in and therefore what are we walking into our carpet. And I'm not a shoe Nazi. I don't tell everybody to take their shoes off at the door. But we have to think about the, the idea that our entire environment is sprayed with Roundup. You know, Roundup is sprayed on our kids' football fields. It's sprayed to get rid of weeds in the street. Um, it's sprayed on the play playgrounds and all that kind of stuff. And the active ingredient, um, or one of the active ingredients in Roundup, is called glyphosate. Now, glyphosate has been shown to impact on some of the pathways in our body. So, 
what that means is not only we exposed outside, but then we walk glyphosate in on our shoes and it's in our carpet. And then if we're going around barefoot, you might even take it to bed with you. And that glyphosate builds up in the body. Now, if you want to get into the nitty gritty of this, you can um, look, at shikimate, look at the shikimate pathway. It gets pretty fascinating. So the biggest argument against Roundup is it only affects bacteria and weeds, plants, things like that. And so that's why they use it to kill weeds. But if you think about a human being being more bacteria than we are human cells, it's going to have an impact on our health. We know that our gut bacteria is, you know, up to 90% of our immune system. It has a huge impact on our mental health as well. So when you look at the shikimate pathway, you can go, th you can go through it. It's quite, it can be quite complex, but I'll give it to you in a really simplistic way. And this is the, the way that I understand it as well. You, your shikimate pathway depends on the bacteria in your gut um, converting certain things, for example, like fructose, to different compounds. And if it can't do that, that's when people tend to have an issue with fructose. But it also converts proteins and amino acids. And they, if they can't be converted, they can't produce neurotransmitters. And 90% of our neurotransmitters are produced in the gut. So I'm talking about serotonin, dopamine, um, melatonin, really important for sleep. And that will have a, obviously, you know, going back to the glyphosate <laughs> on the street, coming into our gut, coming in and playing, having a huge impact on our mind. That, that roundup is therefore possibly impacting um, our mental health states and, you know, could be contributing to the rise in mental health as well. So coming back up to fructose, if, if this, you know, chemical is stopping our body from breaking down fructose. It doesn't allow fructose to be digested. It doesn't allow certain proteins to be digested. Obviously, that's going to have a huge impact on food intolerance, which is something that I treat every single day in the clinic. <coughs> Excuse me. And FODMAPs, you know, as well. FODMAPs is the uh, fructose malabsorption issues and the diet that's come out of that. If, imagine if it's simply this issue of this chemical being stuck in our bodies and possibly the research shows for up to 20 years this stuff can be stored in our body and you know we're getting continually exposed to it as well um, then it's having this huge impact on our health overall and causing fructose malabsorption mental health disorder neurotransmitters not to be produced so if melatonin is not produced we don't sleep properly we don't sleep very well our sleep hormone doesn't kick in in the mor in the night sorry it doesn't switch off in the morning so we're fatigued throughout the day and then if we're not digesting food obviously you're going to be fatigued and feeling pretty crappy as well bloating ibs symptoms is probably one of the big things you know um if you've read any of my blogs and stuff and you can check them out on the naked naturopath part of the website there's a blog and then the podcast um, I write about IBS and, and I often say I do not believe in IBS because I think that there has to be a reason. We can't just tell people they have IBS and to move, move on and get on with their life and to <laughs> go away and work that out and deal with it and, you know, take um, Imodium when they've got um, issues or, I don't know, what else do people take? Movicol and, you know, for swinging bowels and that kind of thing. Um, and we're just treating the symptoms 
in that scenario. So that's one thing. I know that it's a lot to kind of dive into straight away, but imagine if we can simply take some of the roundup out of our environment. There are so many people petitioning to get different chemicals used on their kids' playgrounds than roundup for this reason. Imagine if this is having an impact on our kids' behavioural health, our kids' gut health, you know? It's huge. So we've got petitions going around um, to try and stop this. I know in Queensland it's massive and, and people are really trying to get, get this changed. There are other uh, chemicals that are being trialled, which is awesome. The other thing that we can do is, you know, like I said, I'm not a shoe Nazi, but maybe we can take our shoes off at the door so that those toxins stay at the door <coughs> excuse me, and don't come into our house with us and then get caught up in our carpet and, and live there for years stay there for years and then we roll around on the carpet, we play with our kids on the carpet and we breathe it in every day. The other thing, you know, um, that I'll move on to is our clothing. So when we buy new clothing, when we buy new sheets, it's all been soaked in formaldehyde. Now we know that formaldehyde is um, primarily used to uh, seal <laughs> cadavers, dead bodies, that, so that we can use them when we study medicine to look, in, look at the body. Um, you know, so they use around 2%, um, I think, from memory, from my days in a wet lab, of formaldehyde to, uh, you know, pickle a body, if you like. Sorry to be crass. Um, and this is, this is soaked, our clothing and our sheets are soaked in this. So it's a huge issue. We know it's carcinogen. We know that when you do go into those wet labs, you have to wear full protective gear so that you don't get it on your skin so that it doesn't soak in. So make sure you wash your clothes before you wear them. Um, I think that's something really simple that we can all do. <coughs> Some of the other stuff that is super easy to change, our soap. Think about the soap you use, think about the hand washes you use. If you are using any chemical with heat, it will have a higher um, ability to soak into your pores because once you steam your body, your pores open, and whatever chemicals you have in the shower will be highly likely to be absorbed into your bloodstream. So this goes for shampoos, conditioners, soaps, like I said, hand washers, um, shaving creams, anything, anything that's in your shower. Have a look at the ingredients. You can get some really great, simple skincare these days. You do not need to be using chemicals. The scalp is very sensitive and it's um, very absorptive as well. So we're in a nice hot shower. We put chemicals on our hair and in our head and it soaks straight in. Now, you know, while I'm in the shower, think about the shower water that you use. <clears throat> I find it really interesting that people, I love it. I love it when people filter their water. However, it's one step in a huge kind of um, lineage of issues because we filter our drinking water and we have glasses of water throughout the day. However, most of us still fill up our jug with water from the tap. We then boil that water and then have it in our cups of tea. So the only thing that boiling water does is kill any bacteria that's in it. It doesn't get rid of the chemical load. So please fill your jugs up with your filtered water. What about steaming your food, cooking your food? When you have like a steamer, you put some water from the tap in the bottom, you put your food in the top, you put the lid on, 
all of that steam makes the chlorine in the water rise and it, where does it go? Straight into your food, you know, into your beautiful potatoes, mashed potatoes or, I don't know, carrots and sweet potato and all that kind of stuff. So please use your filtered water for your uh, steaming in your saucepans as well. The biggest thing, the biggest, um, oh, the biggest, I'll say that a lot, this talk, I think. <laughs> One of the biggest things that um, blows my mind is chlorine in our shower water. So you've got hot water, you've got pores are open, and you've got chlorine steaming up in your shower. It is really easy and affordable to get a filter for your shower. It'll probably be a whole new filter, um, shower head, sorry, but it'll set you back around $200 and they last for a year. And then all you have to do is get a replacement filter for the actual shower head itself. You don't have to buy another shower head. I think this is a fantastic investment for families. So I'll give you a little story here. When my husband and I first got our shower head, he had really bad eczema on his face and he was putting all different creams on it. You know, I'd give him um, this, there's this cream that I love called Mother's Love and I recommend it for loads of different stuff. It's made by a couple of local herbalists, but it just wouldn't clear it up. It, it definitely made it better, but it would come back with a vengeance every time he got stressed out. Here's this eczema. And so he was back to his steroid cream and I was going, ah, you know, <laughs> pulling my hair out. And I got the shower filter because I read that it was really good for eczema. And literally two weeks later, not a speck of eczema. And we have had that shower head now for, I think, almost two years. And because I, the, I haven't changed the filter, I should say, and I started to smell the chlorine again in the shower. And so I've ordered a new filter. Anyway, I said to him the other day, you haven't had eczema. And he's like, yeah, since the shower head. So even he recognized that that change had made a huge difference to his skin, which is awesome. So I think that that, you know, even if you don't have skin issues, you can get a bit of a picture of the impact that something that simple can have. The same goes for your bath water, even more so because you are sitting in that water probably for longer and you're more immersed as well. So all of that chlorine is just soaking straight into your skin, which we don't want. Your water filters will always, you know, also filter out your fluoride and stuff like that. Um, look, I'm not going to go into the fluoride debate because um, I think everyone has their own opinion on that and that's cool. But I don't really want it in my drinking water at this stage of my life. And you know what? I still drink tap water when I'm at other people's houses and stuff. So I'm probably getting my fluoride there. I think that that was my main points on the water. Get yourself a good water filter, use it for all of your cooking, use it for your jugs, use it to make your cold brew coffee, use it for your kefir water and your sauerkraut. Please don't use tap water for them. Um, that is going to inhibit your fermentation process. You guys know that you can get a free kefir water when you sign up to my newsletter as well. If you want to hit up the website and do that, you can um, then start making your own, which would be awesome. Um, and get a shower head and get a bath filter as well get busy. <laughs> now, I know it's coming up to Christmas, so I thought it was a perfect time to do this podcast because you guys maybe have some time off to sort out some stuff around the house. I don't want you to go and spend a whole heap of money and I don't want you to get stressed out about it, but I just want you to start to think about putting some of these things into place when you have some time. Some of the other stuff that I've been asked about, um, toothpaste, and I thought this tied in with this talk really well because toothpaste um, is quite toxic. You can get really great, simple, cheap 
toothpaste, natural toothpaste at your health food shop. It is a chemical product, so please, please replace it. It goes along with your um, shampoos and things like that, all of your products. Are you spraying perfume on yourself as well? There are really nice natural perfumes that you can get now. Um, perfume is poison. <laughs> My husband always laughs at me when I say this because he loves his smell nice. But um, if you can get that out of your house, so he used to wear that every single day. Now he's lucky if he wears it, you know, once every three months or so. He, you know, he'll be like, oh, it's a special night. I'll just put a little bit on my clothing. So that's the other thing. Don't spray it in your hair. Don't spray it on your skin. Put it on your clothing so it doesn't actually touch you. Really important. Um, coffee cups. Coffee cups. I'm talking about takeaway coffee cups. Uh, these have had really great research on them. So there was a study I was reading some years ago about, um, I think it was Chinese teenagers, teen Chinese teenage girls, and they get green tea on their way to school every morning in little takeaway cups. And they were finding that over time there was a higher incidence of breast cancer. So they took some tissue from the breast cancer and found that 99% of that breast cancer tissue had um, the toxins from plastic in it. So when you think about a coffee cup, and I've heard um, Dr. Tim, I have to get his last name for you, talk on this as well. He talks about the coffee cup and how when we get a paper, well, it's probably more plastic than it is paper now, a takeaway coffee cup and it's got that lid on the top, what happens is that all the steam from your coffee comes up and condensates on the inside of your coffee lid and that actually warms that plastic coffee lid and it's just as bad as if you were to put plastic in a microwave and eat out of it or to leave your plastic water bottle in the car and it drags the BPA out of the plastic and then obviously that condensation falls back into your coffee or you tip it up to your lips and you drink it. And we're drinking the... Um, <coughs> BPA, sorry, <coughs> the BPA from the plastic, which is the last thing that we want in our body. So you know that you've all got your keep cups. Please make sure they're not plastic. Get a stainless steel or, um, you know, a, a nice, safe, recyclable keep cup as well. Um, if we're just going to get plastic ones, even though they're harder plastic, which is great because it does mean that it's going to be less able to leach the plastic uh, constituents out of that cup, it's still plastic and it'll still leach some. So do change your keep cup over. Or if you are getting takeaway coffee and, you know, that's what you want to do, that's cool. Just take the lid off before you drink it. We need to all stop probably um, drinking out of those plastic lids and that will reduce a huge huge amount of the BPAs that we ingest. Cool. Coffee. Done. I did get asked a question about coffee. Is it good for us? Is it not? What should I do? And all I will say about that is I love coffee. I have a tattoo of a coffee cup on my leg. I'm a big fan of coffee and me and my husband, um, you know, we um, fell in love over our love of coffee and food. And you'll see on my Facebook, I'm often recommending really good quality coffee places. A few things about coffee. I have a book on the benefits of coffee. And I'm talking about a big fat book on the benefits of coffee. The issues with coffee are 
the plastic cups, the milk that we put in it. Is it good quality milk? Are you um, able to digest that milk? That's really individual. Do you put sugar in it? This is where, you know, maybe your sugar intake will be pushed up above what uh, is ideal for you. And um, how much do you drink? That's the biggest thing with coffee. Are you having one, two a day? I don't care. That's fine. That's great. Keep doing what you do. One of the biggest things about life is you have to find what you enjoy and you have to get joy out of what you do every day. So if that coffee makes your day enjoyable and, you know, gets you through the day and makes you happy, then I think it's fine. There are a lot of health benefits to caffeine and coffee and I think if you're going to have anything, uh, coffee is 100 times better than a Red Bull <laughs> or a mother um, in terms of, you know, just getting a little bit of a caffeine hit and having a natural source. So I don't really have any issues with coffee. If you are having six a day and it's, you know, everything that you do is based around coffee and you're really struggling to get through your day without it, then I think maybe there's a bit of an issue there. Is it that you are super fatigued? Are you in, you know, a later stage of adrenal fatigue? Or, you know, is it that that coffee's become a bit of a crux for you? And um, you might need to then look at your habits and your possible addiction <laughs> to that substance. So that's, you know, that's my take on coffee. And I know it sounds simplistic, but I do not think we need to demonise any foods. And you'll often hear me say, I don't think that food and drink is good and bad. It's about how much we have of that food and drink. So that's my opinion on coffee. Now, what will I talk about next? How about medicinal grade food versus, um, well, food grade food. One of the questions that I got this week was on turmeric. And if you are, this person was asking if they're eating turmeric in a curry, is that going to have the same anti-inflammatory effects as a turmeric capsule or a turmeric liquid like I dispense? Um, no, <laughs> is my answer. However, it's not going to hurt. A couple of things. We change the, um, the status of the turmeric by heating it. So your turmeric will not be as good quality if it's been heated because a lot of the antioxidants will be um, killed and it won't have the same uh, benefits for your liver or the anti-inflammatory benefits for pain relief or, you know, um, arthritis or whatever you're using it for. There are varying qualities. So when I say food grade versus medicinal grade, I'll talk about the food grade first. So there are varying qualities of, differing qualities of food grade turmeric. You've got the stuff that you can buy in the shop, the Master Foods, the um, McCormick's, whatever brands that you normally get. These are um, of probably the lowest quality. I'm sorry, Master Foods. They're for cooking. They're great. Um, but if you want to use a good quality turmeric, you probably need to get something that's organic and that's high grade. So something from your health food shops or, you know, if you jump onto my website in the shop, I've got the Changing Habits turmeric there, which is really good quality. These are still all food grade, but so you can put it in a little bit of water, mix it up with your lemon and a bit of cayenne pepper, or you might find that you want to put it in a smoothie or something like that. They're probably the best ways to use it rather than heating it. Um, by all means, you know, my butter chicken, which is in the Simply Balanced book, uses a lot of turmeric and it gives it a beautiful flavour and it's used for a purpose, but it, that purpose is not medicinal. 
you know, to some degree. <laughs> it's still going to have a little bit of an effect, but not, not if you want it for medicine. So that's your food grade. Your medicinal grade, you've got a couple of different ways you can go with that. You've got a liquid turmeric. Um, you'll see me often mixing up all these horrible coloured potions. That's what you can kind of have your turmeric in as part of your herbal mix. Or the other way you can do it is as a supplement. Now, the biggest difference between herbal mixture, turmeric, and supplement turmeric, and food grade, so medicinal versus food grade, is that as a medicinal product, it has to be, it has to have a measured active constituent to a certain degree. Um, so, you know, they might say, so, for example, probably all of you know curcumin is the active ingredient in turmeric. They might say, we want 20 grams of curcumin in this, in every single tablet in this 60 tablets supplement of turmeric. So, they will test that batch of turmeric to ensure that it has the active constituent at the right dosage. And that is for every bottle of liquid turmeric that I get in, and that is for every single tablet in every single supplement. Obviously, you can get better quality supplements than others. Some are whole herb turmeric, some are active constituent only. Um, and you know what? It just is really individual. I prescribe all of those, so it just depends what people want. High dose is not always best. Sometimes I use a very small dose of turmeric to achieve a goal for somebody. Um, but if you do want it for pain relief and osteo, osteoarthritis in particular, you're going to have to use a high-grade, high-dose um, medicinal turmeric. Having it in curries and stuff like that isn't enough, unfortunately. I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, that goes food-grade versus medicinal-grade goes for, for a lot of things. I've just picked turmeric as an example. Medicinal grade quality, like I touched on that briefly, you, one of the questions I got a few weeks back actually was supermarket versus uh, pharmacy versus health food. You will always hear me say health food. If you're going to get your turmeric supplements, please go to a health food shop or pop into the clinic and see me because you, you do not want to waste your money on poor grade medicinal supplements. Unfortunately, not all supplements are made to the same quality. And you will find that um, to some degree you can gauge this on price, but sometimes the really crappy stuff is really quite expensive still. So you need somebody with knowledge and you need some good quality advice. So your health food shops normally have this. They normally have um, you know, students who are studying naturopathy or qualified um, you know, practitioners as well on the shop floor. Or somebody who's been in health food a really long time and just knows their stuff. That's what you want. Um, so please <laughs> don't buy your supplements in the supermarket and pharmacy. And I will give you a really good example. Mm, 2011, I think, they did a study on fish oil. They took 30 different fish oils from the pharmacy and supermarket shelves. And they looked at them all. Um, they looked at the active ingredients and they looked at the therapeutic effect. So none of the 30 fish oils had a therapeutic effect. This means that none of those fish oils actually worked. They were inert, is what they said. So they didn't actually have any action in the body. And then 40%, I think, so nearly half of those fish oils tested were actually rancid. So the fish oil had either been poorly produced, poorly transported, or maybe if you've ever seen, been to the pharmacy and you see those big 
bins that they wheel out into the you know street out the front of the door of the pharmacy and they're sitting in the sun and this is the worst thing that you can do for fish oil so when um, people buy fish oil from me or CoQ10 or any other oil-based supplement um, I always advise that they keep it in the fridge especially during Australian summer because it gets quite hot so those fish oils are rancid what that means is that it will actually do damage to your body it will cause an increase in free radicals which we know is one of the main um, implicators and um, I'm not going to say cause but um, you know uh, a big part of how we unfortunately form cancer so you've paid money for a supplement that you have made the effort to take every day and that supplement could be doing you damage and this isn't just fish oil I've seen you know I've seen similar stuff with multivitamins B vitamins in particular so you know stress B and um, you know anxiety support your nervous system B vitamins um, and heaps of others so it's just like food you know that you can get great quality food or you can get very poor quality food and that you will taste normally taste the difference in that food but um, with supplements it's really hard to tell unless you've been trained the other thing is a lot of the supplements on our shelves are made from byproducts of mining unfortunately they're created in chemical labs and they're not from food sources and they probably have never really originated from any um, true uh, value or product so they're made they're they're made chemically made um, especially multivitamins and bees and stuff like that um, Cherie who I work with at Hamilton who I think that we've got an interview with her next week for you guys um, she was telling me that B12 was actually made from cyanide is actually made from cyanide so a lot of the B12s on your shelves um, you know have this derivative of cyanide which seems like the last thing you would want to put in your body if you were looking to take a vitamin so uh, be mindful of what you buy please get some qualified advice you know you can ask the MG Herbs crew if you want to ask a question just jump on the website and fill out a form um, you know like we're all here to support you or you can go to your, your local health food shop and get to know who's in there and who's you know got a bit of an idea of what they're talking about and and who can help you out with supplements and stuff like that there is no point in wasting your time and money on crappy supplements you might as well not take them going one step further with this um, you also have a huge amount of different types of supplements in the one word as we know it as a general public know it so when I say iron that can mean up to 10 different types of iron across the board of supplements so we have from the very lowest quality iron that's actually um, a heavy metal gets caught up in your liver causes constipation uh, doesn't actually you don't actually get a whole lot of iron absorption from it to very good quality iron which um, you know is absorbed very quickly brings your iron status back up in your blood very quickly and is good quality iron doesn't constipate you um, and they can be the same price however how, how are you to know <laughs> you know unless you've studied how are you to know um, same goes for magnesium a lot of a lot of people know that there's good quality magnesium and there's poor quality magnesium so you need to be wary of the quality of your supplements and what type of supplements you're taking as well 
Is that magnesium used for muscle soreness or is it used for constipation and actually loosens your bowels and doesn't actually go into your muscles at all? So really get, get some good quality advice is my advice at the end of the day. Um, I have a lot of people come to me on 10, 20 supplements and my goal is to get them down to one or none and just put them on herbs or to, you know, kind of streamline that process and see what they really need because you can, you know, find, find out all this information about supplements and find that they are all really great and they do amazing things but is that really great for you and do you need that amazing thing is it suited to you is it individual you know do you need to be taking it maybe not maybe not i don't know you have to talk to me preservatives i'm obviously jumping through a few of your home things um quickly here and i'm trying to answer a few questions that i've got through in one so i hope i hope that's okay um preservatives huge 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 preservatives if you buy organic you will be avoiding preservatives. So when we look at the organic debate, the biggest argument is that it doesn't taste any different. Organic doesn't taste any different to non-organic. I highly argue with you, but if you think that, that's okay. I can give you some other reasons to look for organic products. They will be preservative free. Good. They will also um, be free of chemicals. So when they did a study on organic food, um, hmm, testing me now, I don't actually know what year it was, but they looked at organic food nutritional value versus um, non-organic food nutritional value. And they found that across the board, organic food and not organic food had this, about the same nutritional value and the reports were that it tasted the same. However, we do not eat organic food because of its nutritional value because it had, nobody's saying eat organic food because it has a high nutritional value. No, we're saying eat organic food because it doesn't have any chemicals in it. It doesn't have antibiotics, it doesn't have pesticides, fungicides. It's not laden with POPs, persistent organic pollutants that we try and avoid in our everyday life. This is why we eat organic food. And if you wanna go preservative free, the easiest way is just to go organic. Did you know that your dried apricots should be black? The only reason they are orange is because they've got sulfur in them. So they're preserved that way. A black organic, let me tell you, it tastes better. It's juicier. It's so much more nourishing. Um, yeah, and it's all around yummier. So do go to your health food, get some organic apricots and try them. Any dried fruit from the supermarket that's not organic will have preservatives and it will be sulfur. So do try and avoid them. Wine. Um, a lot of wines also have sulfur preservatives in them. So some people find that a red wine is fine for them, but a white wine gives them hay fever, allergies, you know, snotty nose, itchy eyes. This is because red wine needs less to, to none preservatives, whereas white wine needs preservatives. Um, red wine has all its antioxidants still, being a darker wine. Um, and white wine needs more. So often people do react to white wine, but not red wine. Just get organic wine. If you get organic wine, you, you're on the home stretch. You could also look at your red wines and find ones that don't have 200s in them. So when I say 200s, you're looking at um, 220, for example, is a sulfur preservative. So look for ones that do not have numbers in them. You do not need numbers in your wine. No, no need. 
of the stuff I've talked about may be pertinent to you. Some of it may be over your head. Um, if you have questions, please let me know. You know I'm always here for questions. I probably also wanted to touch on candles in this talk. I did get a, t uh, a question um, about soy candles based on the soy talk last time. Um, I think from my knowledge, soy, can like soy candles, making soy candles is the best thing you can do with soy. Or Henry Ford made a car, car out of soy. Maybe that's the best thing you can do out of soy. <laughs> but I do believe that he had to um, give it up after a few weeks because it got smelly. Now, <laughs> with your candles, candles are fairly toxic. So you're looking at um, paraffins and um, nasty waxes that you are burning. So any, we know that anywhere that there is heat, you are likely to release toxins into the air. So your candles, you know, even if they're fragrance-free from, you know, the cheap shops and the, the supermarket and that kind of thing, will be burning off toxins into your air. If they have added fragrances, even worse because they're there for, they're then burning the the fragrances as well. You can get really nice natural candles, handmade, with essential oils from your local farmers markets or gift markets, especially coming into Christmas. Um, they should be really easy to locate. If you have a local candle shop that you like, find out what they put the smell in with. Find out what it is and what they make the candles out of. But please correct me if I'm wrong, I do believe that um, soy candles are good. That's the best thing that you can do with soy because we're not eating it. So it's good. I like it. Apparently you can make a really good tyre out of soy as well, which is why Henry Ford got into them. Um, what book did I read this in? I think that it's in The Whole Soy Story, if you want to check that out. I think that's where I read it. Anyway. Um, I can put a link up when I <laughs> if I go look in my bookshelves. <laughs> so I think that that's actually all that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Um, if you want to know more about um, toxins in the environment and what you can do to avoid them, go and take a sneak peek on the website www.mgherbs.com. There's a page called Not Just Another Detox. With this page, you can access some of the um, not just another detox talks and information, and you can read some of the other people's um, you know opinions on on that stuff as well. You can scroll down the bottom, and there's a five minute snippet from the live talk that'll give you a bit of a better idea of if you're interested in it or not. And then if you are, you can go to the shop page and buy the talk. I think it's twenty bucks and have a listen, uh, goes for about two hours and I talk a lot about those toxins in the environment and what we can do and then go into food and stuff like that. The other thing, I'm just flipping through my question page, I did that, hmm. was that um, glyphosate shikimate pathway what I will do for you is put a link to Cindy O'Meara's um, What's With Wheat DVD because this touches on this pathway really well and she's got some of the leading um, people in the world who are looking into this pathway and what Roundup in particular has done, um, which is what replaced DDT, which is a you know, banned uh, chemical now for farming because it caused so many health issues. So I'll put a link to What's With Wheat and you can have a bit of a, 
another look. I think the DVD is 20 bucks. Worth, worth the investment, worth having a, a look. Um, very emotive with its music, <laughs> but it's a big subject. And I know that it's talking about wheat, but it talks about a lot of the other um, issues with wheat. Now, Roundup as well is something that is um, GMO soy was created around so that it was resistant to all the bugs. So it touches on the soy as well, which is always interesting. Keep in mind, 90% of our neurotransmitters are made in our gut. So if our gut is not good at the end of the day, we're going to be unwell. The other thing that this might play into is the um, if anyone's interested in the MTHFR genetic um, stuff, they think that this shikimate pathway will play a role in the folate uh, metabolism as well, which is really interesting and more pertinent to fertility. If that's of interest to you guys, please email me. Let me know. I can um, I can talk more about that next time or in a couple of podcasts because it is it's a big thing at the moment and it's fascinating for a lot of people, but may just be plain old boring to you guys. So let me know what you want to do. I think that's all for today. I just wanted to do a quick one um, on the house stuff and also let you guys know that next podcast will be with Sheree Sheldon, a naturopath that I work with at Hamilton. Um, no, sorry, Sheree was last week. My next one will be with Lucy Ellis after this and she's a hypnotherapist. So have a listen in. That's really interesting. That's a lot to do with women, confidence um, and how you can you know, rock your imperfect is her line. So find your imperfect and really just be super confident with that. I think that's a really good message to get out to women. Um, if you have any questions, let me know. I'm the Naked Naturopath. Thank you so much for listening in to my ramble today. And um, I look forward to talking to you next time. Okay, bye for now.